Welcome to this monstrous episode of the Greyhorn Pagans podcast. Grab your gear, gather your courage, kiss the wife and kids goodbye, and let's get hunting. Once more, once again, on the Greyhorn Pagans podcast, uh, part three on Giants. Um, part two has been over a year ago. I uh, I checked it. It was halfway through May or like the end of May of last year when we did our part two. Um, not that we have stopped talking or researching about giants in the meantime. If anything, we only found more. <laughs> the only <laughs> the yeah. only difference is this time we have a guest with us, Andy from the Deep Share Podcast. What's together, up, guys? of course, with thing Joshua as always. Guys, what's up? Thank you for joining. Thank you for coming. Love being here, man. Great topic to talk about. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. Well, I started hammering away writing an article, and uh, what I I was telling Stein earlier, I wanted to write an article on Substack to kind of use as a PowerPoint for the for this particular podcast because we tend to like derail our train of thought like every thirty two seconds. <laughs> so yes. it it kind of helps just to guide it back on point. And when I started researching, I wanted to do like two specific aspects of it, and there are two that are not so commonly delved into, but it's two that are like glaring us in the face going, hey, look at me. When you add them in with everything else, it literally just kind of paints a giant picture. And that two things was the Native American side of it and the Odinist or Norse Germanic side of it, Hmm. because giants are 60, 70% of the Eddas. Odin himself is half Jotun. Loki is half Jotun. There are right. members of the, the Aesir that are full Jotun. Um, Scotty. So there's there's a lot of giants in in the whole of the Eddas. You know, in the Bible, there's one or two verses, and they're very specific, you know, but in the Eddas, they lay it out. And, you know, they, they say something very specific in there that shook me the last time I was reading it. And it, it basically says that there's a certain time of the year that they would have to guard in this point in Asgard where the Bifrost was because during the winter, an area of the water would freeze over and from the north where it was the land of constant winter, in other words, the North Pole or the Arctic Circle, these giants would come raid them. And I mean, it, it was brutal. So year after year, they would set up these sentinel patrols up at what they called Asgard, the North Guard, um, Bifrost, so that when that bridge formed, there was people there guarding it because otherwise they were getting overrun by giants. They would get lost up in the countryside and then they would get stuck there. And they were not easy to deal with. And the last thing they wanted was more giants reproducing in their land. So 
it got uh it got nutty for a while in the edits and then like i said with the 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 native american stuff man wow just wow which connects yeah. also to a lot of the weird newspapers that we find uh, entailing giants bones being discovered in the americas and stuff like that and and that's the thing too that that like adds validity to it you have the native americans saying hey when we came here there was this ruthless group of giants now some of them refer to them as cannibals other groups right. of Indians said they were literally civil and regal and in like a very regal race of people that had these huge structures from sea to sea and they had kingdoms all over the place. And right. they, they said the Choctaw specifically when they came out of their, uh, I got the name of it written down, but when they came out of a hole in the earth for the most part, uh, they come out of the Nanin Waya, the, the mound in Winston County, Mississippi, apparently, is where it's pointed out that they came to the Americas. When they settled there, they came out of a cave for the most part. Those people were already everywhere. So they had to slowly take pieces of territory and claim them as their own. And then they started trading with some of them. But others were not so friendly. So, I mean, we've got mixed bags of stories from them, but then we find the mounds with those giant skeletons in them and we're like, oh, okay, you know, that it's, there's got to be something to it now. Yeah, you'll, you'll hear that often in, uh, in other stories as well, that the, the giants come from inner earth. Yes. Yeah, I, it's really interesting that you brought up the Choctaw because I just recently re-listened to an old episode of uh, Sasquatch Chronicles where uh, Wes Germer, the host, was interviewing uh, one of the natives from that tribe and talking about that famous story. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with this Bigfoot story, but it took place in like Wyoming. And it wasn't about like a Bigfoot sighting. It was about an all-out like army, like a war between these natives and these Sasquatch. Squatch. I'm not sure if this is lining up with like the same story that you were telling, mm -hmm. but I think it probably would if we looked in, you know, for connecting lines within their mythology or something or their stories that they've passed down. But it's really, uh, it's pretty crazy. It's about this captain named uh, Joshua LaFleur and uh, him and a bunch of other men get together to go fight these Sasquatch because their children, a lot of children were going missing from the village after fruits and vegetables and different food stocks were getting were going missing early on like more and more and more started getting taken until children were getting taken and so they expected to be fighting like bandits and what they found was like marching in line elders in the back followed by children and then warriors up further in the front these tribes of Naulo. these these Sasquatch or whatever the tribe would be calling them. Yeah. And it's just, it's an interesting crossover. And I think this is really an important crossover, oddly enough, Sasquatch yeah. and, uh, and all the things that are coming out about our genome now, or the, the lack thereof a quote unquote human genome and how there's many uh, admixture uh, events that occurred in history. And maybe the, this is all having to do with the same thing. Even the story of the Nephilim, you know, if read as an allegory in some way, it's not even really an allegory. If you're just taking it to, you understand that they were just using different words for, for take things. Nephilim and replace it for Denisovan. That's a great idea. I mean, the idea of giant itself, the etymology goes back to 
Uh, I think we probably probably mentioned this last year. I don't know if I mentioned this last year, but I found that the root of this word, even before Gigas in the Greek, uh, meant earthborn. Yeah. And that's really important because, I mean, I'm from that. Since we talked last time, I found a number of cases where it seems that giant is interchangeable with the idea of nobility as well. And mm -hmm. I'm not saying that that takes away from the actual physical stature, but I believe that it was like stature and status went together in a very particular way. And as language evolved and kind of the game of telephone progressed, these, uh, you know, We've built many mythologies around these allegories, of course, you know, but I think it goes back to just the way that they were using the language. In one case, I found, again, Native American evidence. Uh, it was, um, I wish I had the, the quote right in front of me, but it was basically describing this uh this um this people this certain group of people as giants but it was saying that the uh the reason that they were giants that they know that they were giants is because that they were attired and attired the real meaning of attired from back when these books were being written was strictly meaning not just clothing but attired was fancy nobility clothing like yeah. dressed up oh, adorned okay. yeah. and so it's, and so the phrase was like these were a race, these people were a group of, of giants because they were uh, adorned or attired. And it was just very interesting the way the wording was. And so from there, I started researching that more and more and finding that over Comanche and over. Chief, Rolling Thunder. He, I, I mean, he, he was kind of specific. He said they were regal. They, they yeah. even bred into the Indian tribes and that some of the chiefs in the southern states were ancestral to those people and then you hear the native american explorers talk about tuscaloosa and how he was seven and a half feet tall but tuscaloosa's dad stood a whole head and shoulders taller than him so this is just a group of these people who have literally been bred further and further into the native americans and generation after generation they're getting shorter and shorter you know yeah absolutely so they, a lot of those tribes were matriarchal but the leadership, the, the, the tribal chieftain would be a patriarch. And that patriarch bred from very specific families. And that's how, for I guess, for many years, they were very, very large. But then we start to see between the 15 and 1600s, when the explorers were coming, that we got smaller and smaller. Which one? I just got the phone call. We're going to be for having another grandbaby. Which one, Zach and Jada? No, Jesse, Travis, they're having another baby. Holy shit. All right. Congratulations. Congratulations. I hope it's a boy this time for Christ's sake. I would love a little boy. <laughs> I said the same thing. All right. We'll, see. well, that was good to know. Thank you, hon. I love You're you. You're welcome. Sorry, guys. No worries. No worries at all. No yeah, that's, um, that's great that's to hear. Great. That just brightens that's... brighten the mood even more. For real, breaking, dude, that was wild. breaking um, news, so, people. <laughs> and needless to say, I, I have a son that's six foot six, dude. Like the kids freaking back when he stands next to me. So like, I, I wonder if like I didn't stunt my growth with cigarettes and alcohol as a teenager. Like, how tall would I be right now? Right. Yeah, I feel that. <laughs> I mean, we we literally have uh, here in the Netherlands, like we are already considered the, um, the tallest people in the world on on average, like uh, male size, like we're about six foot 
average, but wow. there is this guy, I believe we spoke about him on one of our previous ones, uh, Olivier Richters. Uh, he is a, a bodybuilder, actor, model, CEO of Muscle Meat Meals. Um, his nickname is the Dutch Giant. He is seven foot two, which is for, uh, for our Europeans and other fellow Dutchies. I know there are few, but still that's uh, two meters, 18 centimeters. That's a big guy. Big. That's a big yeah. guy. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty tall dude no matter where you stand. Um, nowadays. I, but, I mean, look at Greece and Rome. Uh, look at Maximus Thrax, dude. I mean, he's still in the Guinness Book as the tallest person. His skeleton with no discs in the vertebrae or anything like that is 7 foot 11 inches laying the way it is was, reconstructed. Was that the guy whose wedding ring could function as a bracelet? A bracelet for, for his, his wife. wife. Yeah, he used to wear his wife's bracelets as a thumb ring when they yeah. went to battle. And you know, it's interesting to think about like all the old Disney cartoons, the way they always drew some of these characters that were even human, but they were supposed, you know, it's like exaggerated muscle structure, but yet they were like that. Their fingers were like gigantic and their shoulders are huge. Kind of like the Gears of War uh, art style, you know, everybody's massive. Well, look Maybe at what the, the Native Americans, they, they specifically say. I mean, in just about every tribe, not just in height, but also in stature, they stood right. a full, you know, half a body taller than us. So that, I mean, that tells you that they weren't just tall and lanky, that they were also built like freaking Schwarzenegger. So it's, it's a, uh, I mean, it's, it's a striking story that literally rings all over the Americas, all over Europe. The African tribes tell about it. We've found mounds all over the place. Don't forget China. Why? Well, now see. All right. Now, the China thing, I, I would love to get into that. But because there is so little allowed research there currently, it makes it fucking impossible, man. Since yeah. the Longyu caves have been uncovered, they have covered up every archaeological find in China. It's been ridiculous. And it's a losing um, battle, in my opinion, because eventually people are just going to come knocking. I don't know. Well, but then again. A couple of years ago, Google Photos comes out and says the Gobi in China. They found all these structures under the sand in the Gobi, right? Mm -hmm. Two months later, all of a sudden, Google Maps, you can see where they cut and pasted the same dune picture all over the Gobi. Jesus. So it's like, okay, we get it. We get it. But it's weird, too, because it's like there's people that are living in that country that I, well, maybe they don't have the same access. You know, and if that, something over Illinois, people would be there in a half an hour, like confirming it or denying it. You know, <laughs> look at look at the uh, the Havener room stone here in America, right? The Indians on the Trail of Tears. I think it's in like Iowa, if I'm not mistaken. I think you're right. See, Utah, or Iowa. It's in one of them. But the Indians told the Americans when they marched them across the Trail of Tears and said, "Here's your new land." They were like, "Bro, we can't use that land." That land was abandoned a long time ago for a damn good reason. You see what's written <laughs> on that stone? That's a warning. And, I mean, it says Gnomedale. <laughs> so, land of the gnomes. Don't go there. Um, and, and they didn't. So, that, that's, land that's of the a crazy gnomes. thing. That's interesting. Yeah. That, that nomenclature would have, would have been in uh, Native American talk. It's, it's written in runes on a stone that they, they declared runes? was there when they arrived, you know, a thousand years yeah. before the colonists. Oh my God. Fucking yeah, I have it. I have it pulled up here real quick. I'll just, 
uh, share my screen real yeah, quick. Man. That, uh, this is just the quick overview of the summarizer. A 10 by 12 foot high sandstone. Sandstone? You'll, you'll hear that a lot too. In the middle of Iowa. Um, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Okay. Even just as weird. Yeah. yeah. Um, There's a whole lot we could say about Oklahoma. <laughs> contains eight markings believed to have been a boundary border created by Vikings between 600 and 800 AD. That makes more sense. I didn't realize. I first, thought it was Native Americans. First documented in 1923. Excuse my voice, people. Uh, my allergies are kicking my ass, so I'm very happy to have these two guys with me. Now, this is almost a full thousand years before the colonists started colonizing, right? right? The only people in that area at the time were the Native Americans, and they gave the same warning. So, it re- I mean, you really got to think about that. There's weird little effers up in the hills there that will kill you, dude. Don't go there. Well, that's a guy. I love that you brought that up, the little fuckers, because, you know, we got gnomes and fairies and all of this nomenclature that, you know, honestly is kind of like a, a an inversion almost. Whether it was an inversion to um, discredit and demonize, or it was actually, you know, I've learned that a lot of inversion is not necessarily done by the aggressor, it's done by the person trying to conceal their own. Uh, shit, you know, trying to keep it to themselves or keep it on the lowdown, kind of code to each other in that way. But, um, but yeah, a lot of this is like instead of these gnomes and elves being these tiny little folk, it's more like they are kind of the ordained kings and queens of prehistory. And that's that's a, that's another crazy thing. Look at that. Oh, god, what explorer was it? Hold on, there was an explorer that came into South America or no, the Gulf of Mexico. And he found a freaking village and the village that he ran into. Oh God, I got it written down. somewhere. Alonso um, Alvarez de Pineda. You have it on your. Yes. Side. Yes. This dude comes into a village and not only are there eight foot tall people there, there's also a whole race of four foot and three foot pygmies living right beside him. Yeah. Now uh, it, it, that's in 1519, right? Yeah. By the 1600s, when we started fully colonizing, when we, I mean, we were like just Spain, France, England, everybody's just sending ships over full of people at that point in time. All of a sudden, something flipped. Now, did, did these peoples just head further into South America? Are they still down in the Amazon somewhere? You know what I mean? Did, did they go up in the mountains and this is the, the hairy man we're seeing up That's by Alaska and Canada? That's really the weird disconnect I have because like I want to I want to connect Sasquatch right to all of this mythology <laughs> but then it's it's so different because I was saying just the other night on a show that I love hunters telling their Sasquatch stories because those mostly most of the time the hunters that are telling the stories are just these no shit type of dudes that don't want any attention. They just got to get it out of them and tell somebody, you know, and they're hesitant and they're, you know, retelling it and shaking while telling it. And they're reporting. Yeah. An animal, a monster, you know, like a hominid, but definitely animalistic. And it's weird to, I don't know how that fits into all of our descriptions. Cause we do have some descriptions of giants being grotesque, Right. But then oh, yeah. a lot of what we're finding from, you know, hidden under the 
under the shadows really is that this they were in with the nobility also right exactly and they were beautiful and huge and and wise like we have the elves like there's a lot written by sir lawrence gardner about you know the relevance of lord of the rings and what J.R.R. tolkien was really into and what he was saying you know and the whole elven race was based on like real Finnish folklore and everything, you know? And so we have these distinguished Kings and Queens of this, of course, now considered mythological world, but yeah, it's weird. So there's a disconnect there from hairy man, Sasquatch. I mean, of course, if they have to live, if they're chased down and hunted down by our governments or something, maybe they can't shower. I think the Eddas explained it, dude. And I, I think the Eddas broke it down perfectly. Right. Okay. There were giants. On, yeah. from, there were, there were di- giants from different regions, right? Okay. The, the ice giants. Okay. Let's say you have a group of people that all of a sudden for a thousand years, they're chased out into wilderness, living in the elements. Are they going to develop more body hair over a thousand years and several generations? Absolutely. Yeah. You know what I mean? But you, you look at what the Norse, there, there was ice giants. They were uncivilized. They attacked them. They fed on them. They, they raided their villages when they were able to get across the Bifrost. So it was their goal to keep them from doing so, right? Mm-hmm. Then you had the giants from the south, the fire giants. They're, many of them, Serta ex- especially, are described as being jet black, right? Mm-hmm. Black as coal or par, uh, pitch or tar, right? Now, you have gi- several giants in Norse mythology that are described as being pitch black. Yeah. So in Ethiopia, you have giants, literal human giants that are seven, eight feet tall that they're exhuming now. Right. So, I mean, w- what they were seeing was literal. I mean, they were describing giants coming from the north, being light-skinned, red-haired, evil man-eaters. And then he's right. describing giants coming from the south, battling with them also, right? So there's there's a... There's a definite distinction. There were different tribes of them. You know, there, there wouldn't, wasn't just a group of giants, period. You know, there were different groups of giants. And now you look at the Denisovans. There were multiple haplogroups of them. There were Asiatic Denisovans. There were American Denisovans. I mean, they're, they're literally finding them everywhere now. Just like the Salutrians and the Clovis. They're finding out that they're not just one regional people, that they were from everywhere. So, I mean, if you <laughs> just make the presumption that they are giant humans or giant humanoids or, or whatever. Like for, from the humans, there are different, you know, tribes or whatever, like even in just take just Europe, like the Northern Europeans are different from Southern Europeans. Yet we're both Europeans. We're both human. You know, look at tribes in Peru living right alongside of us right now, still chucking spears at animals and living in thatched huts. People get near them, they chuck spears at them and shoot arrows at them. These tribes haven't been disturbed for over 10,000 years, and they're Central. still existing. Empire, Islands. Empires have risen, fallen, crashed, burned, been destroyed, battles waged, genocides happened, and these people are just doing their thing. Yet somehow at one point or another, they were also affected by this degeneration where like there were no longer part of this. We have a very recessive giant connection at at, at most. Right. I mean, none of us are really, we have a few here and there that are still there, but you know, maybe that's just, um, Climate related. Know, people bring up the idea that, you know, everything has gotten smaller than it used to be. So that might be just a natural part of it. But what do you, where do you guys fall in the uh, 
25 foot and over giants uh, stuff. Well, what do you guys think about that? Okay. And again, they, they break that down in the Eddas in Greek mythology and several other mythologies. They were the Titans, the giants before the giants. Since since the last ice ages fall and before over the turnings, we have seen. Stein, will you bring up the footprint in stone that I put in that uh, article? Yes, is that possible, dude? In Africa, there is a footprint in stone that is literally four and a half feet, and you can you look at it when this granite was still wet. This foot a foot was pressed into it, and it slowly dried. This one, right? Like it's you can about, see about the size of the the dude himself. Let's say he's and so about, I mean I'm not not to be the boring skeptic, but we have absolute proof and understanding that this has no explanation to, dude, to even debunk or anything. They, it has, they they have said if you look at the actual footprint, there are several of them over uh, around the earth that they found that are huge footprints that you could tell were literally just chiseled into stone. This one is a footprint that hit granite when it was wet. And then over tens of thousands of years, it dried like that. You can see where the mud was mushed between the toes and curled up at the front of them. Like something was running at full this, speed. Yeah, this doesn't that look so weird. This now, so wild. Well, how tall at, would that person be? Probably about 20 feet, maybe even bigger. 20 to 25 feet, right? Yeah, now, yeah. look at Texas, right? I, I, there's another picture in there that's got all the skeletons lined up that they found at different mounds. They found an 18-foot skeleton in Texas, man. Now, what? the width of the shoulders on that thing, the width on its shoulders are just as tall as most people. When They said when it was found, its chest from back to its sternum was five feet off the ground, The rib, just the rib cage. Mm. Now, that that is an absurd, and it was yeah. confirmed by like two uh, university archaeologists. Right. Where, then the where Smithsonian was this? says uh, this was in somewhere in Texas, but it was yeah. at one of the mound sites. It's yeah, in the well, sub. I mean, the and I want to believe this shit. I just like the only reason why I ask is because I've found a number of those store. The, some of the some of the articles are awesome and they're they they track, and then others yes. lead to mastodon bones. You know what I mean? Yes. Or or where uh, yeah. people had a photo contest to make giant you know remains and da 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 da. da. I, I've I've weeded through a lot of them and okay. basically parsed out the ones that do not have newspaper articles validating that some university scientist that that was a legitimate scientist I, you can go into the university records find their documents the whole nine yards there that's all in there and the one thing i gotta give ancient origins credit for is they did a lot of homework with that when they were fishing those newspaper articles out and that i put them in the sourcing for that article because that's where i got that picture from and all of those names on there, the cities and the, the sizes of the skeletons, you can break it down and find the newspaper articles for it. And then the the archaeologist or paleontologist that confirmed the bones and then the Smithsonian finds them. Right. So right. I don't doubt you know, any of that. Yeah, that's really interesting. I'm just so this is a part of the uh, the study that I have kind of avoided purposely until I had no other choice, you know. But like you're giving me information that's going to fuel that, so I appreciate that. Now, and you know, I was always okay. Twelve feet. I can see people twelve feet in our history. When you look at dinosaurs and you know grasshoppers and everything during the Ice Age, being three times its normal size. So, like, maybe even 15 feet people, right? But then I think you I found see, the article, what you were talking about, 
There you go. Websites. Nice. 18 feet fucking tall. So this is yeah, this is really pushing the limits, you know. Now so, look, look so in the article. Lived 2800 years ago. Now, again, is, in retrospect, that's not that far in the past. There were Clovis civilizations all over the Americas at that point in time. Well, in Central America and across Texas in that area, there were Clovis finds. The newspaper clipping is from July 1919. Now, they've done research and found that the Clovis people are the Native Americans' ancestors, right? It's a haplogroup of the Clovis that were literally just here in the Americas at that time. They are the pre-Native Americans, right? Yeah. So they're not the European Clovis because there is an entirely separate haplogroup of European Clovis. Right. So there, there's, a, there's a distinction now that these groups were all migratory. That in oh, between yeah. these ice ages and cycles, when those land bridges came open, they hauled ass, you know? And at one point, about 26,000 years ago, it appears that they might have just been wide open in there, period. That they, they had the bridge to cross all the time. You got to do a part four and get our, our guy, uh, our good buddy, Dr. Narco Longo on to talk about Florida, man. Because there's a lot of information in Florida regarding giants and massive anchors being found that are like eight bro. feet, ten feet tall. Bro, that that you know, eight foot skeleton in Texas. Right. Florida has got some mounds all over oh, yeah. it. Right. Oh, yeah. Now here's where it gets really effed up. Every area where there's a mound, it's declared a state park. <laughs> that makes perfect sense to me, <laughs> of course. And why are they state parks? Why are there mounds there? And usually state parks are what uh, line up with cave systems as well. And there's Can't dig get a state park, can't explore, can't do any archaeology without fully allowing the system in. So if you do any exploring at a state park without permission and paperwork and probably a Smithsonian member along with you, you're screwed. You're getting arrested. So, and, and that's why they did it. Dude, I got a cousin that's an archaeologist, right? Oh, awesome. That's cool. Let's bring him on. He is, he's, he's seen some shit that he's not allowed to talk to. And there was a very specific year, and it's something like 2029 or some stupid shit. That, that like, he had signed NDAs. He's not allowed to talk about this until this time, right? Yeah. So there's some, there's some behind-the-scenes shit that they got, like, a staged plan on when this is all going to come out. Yeah. And I, I have a feeling that over time, they're slowly unraveling the narrative so it's not such a big culture shock. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Like, I really feel like it's all going to unravel in a way where all of us who have spent so much time being like, isn't this amazing? Oh, my God, nobody sees it. Nobody reads it. Nobody talks about it. Everyone's going to eventually. It's just going to be like all the conspiracies that come true now where suddenly yeah. it's just normalized. So we're going to be like, there's giants. And then suddenly they're going to be like, well, yeah. Well, wait a minute. You, you know, damn it. <laughs> the, the, the government's been running psyop conspiracy theories since its founding, dude. Absolutely, I mean, man. the entire you, alt media is kind of been a we're part of a creation for sure. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, <laughs> and, and and that's that's another crazy thing, right? Like people want to reach their ancestral roots. They want to know, you know what I mean? Like everybody that that we've run across in the tribe, they they really want to get to know where their history came from, where their ancestral roots are, you know? And we're a mixed bag, dude. We're not all Germanic or Norse, you know what I mean? Right. We've got members that are Asian, we've got members that are Indian. So there I mean there's people all over the Indo-Europe and the Americas that are members of our tribe that I mean, we, we have some really in-depth discussions about the, the 
crossroads of all these different religions, you know, and we get a major introspect into it just because of that. That's the one thing that humanity's had at a disadvantage for so many years. We've been separate. Right. Right. Now that we can all come together and connect these constellation dots, we look up at the picture and go, oh, I see what that is now. Holy shit. You know, it's like one of those things that like we've been able to see it for how long? Because it's in our texts. It's in our books. We, we have open minds. You know what I mean? We don't fall into a category of dogma where we're just like, nope, that's not the way it is. Even somebody puts it in your face, you know, and, and you, you have to kind of stay. I, I can't just say open minded because you can become really naive in that way, but yeah. skeptically open minded. I think I may have found the anchor that you guys were talking about, or possibly yeah. uh, from Flagler Beach. Yes. Five Dude. foot, way between half a ton and a ton. I mean, that's no. one. Uh, Dr. Narco Longo from Old World, Florida. Go check him out on YouTube if you haven't. Uh, he's got yeah, it's lots so... of slides, lots of pictures of massive anchors that are like Dude, the axes. Have you seen the axes? Yeah, I have seen some axes. I've seen some swords. Oh. I've even seen muskets that are in. I'm sure that, there's public yeah. reasons for it. Like, oh, these were novelties. But it's like, well, yeah. what's with these okay. doors that are thousands of years old that are... You, you, yeah, you, you, you find an axe buried in a mound... Now, here's another weird. Have you ever noticed the the shellfish and oyster and clam coincidence with the giants? A lot. Okay, just you'll you'll notice that over time, dude. The Native American tribes, especially the ones in Florida, right? They say that you know if you find mounds where there's all these oyster shells and there's a huge mound, there's a giant buried somewhere nearby. Interesting. Because they they would for some reason like cover the entirety of the the body. And oyster shell, shiny side up, and then bury it. So there's something to that. And I, I still don't know what the detail is, but it's not just in the four Native American mounds. I started finding it in the ones going up New England, too, up the coast of uh, the East Coast of America. So th- there's something to that. You know what I mean? And, and I, like I said, that I still haven't been able to put my finger on. I can but- help you out there, maybe. Just, I mean, it may be a very loose connection, but I tie all of these giants and the, these ancient nobilities to the seafaring people, the sea yeah. people, the angelic sailors. The, they the own the Atlas. Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, it all kind of, we're talking about a massive span of time and it changed hands and languages changed and people went here and people went there and mingled and more admixture, more admixture. Everybody, we're, they're still all talking about the same thing. And it's these, yeah, they own the seas. And even like, you know, the Phoenicians supposedly oh God, yes. owned, owned the uh, the Atlantic. It was their territory. Dude. I mean, there be dragons. Yeah. Dude, there be dragons. The they are travel. the fucking snake people. They are the serpent line. They are the dragon bloodlines. Like, <laughs> there be dragons. It's not just a... You know, don't go out there because the seas are fucking choppy. No, it's the Phoenicians are out there. I just got into that one, too, the topic of the Phoenicians because of Baal and El, right? Uh-huh. Did, 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 did you ever see that? I wrote an article, too, about the Balder and Baal and the similarities and all of that. Dude, yeah. it's staggering. When you, when, you, when you look at Balder 
and all of the attributes of him and then Baal and all of the attributes of him. They're the same God, bro. Like mm. all in all, the sky God, sun God, beautiful, glorious, most beautiful. It, like the description of them is, is even ridiculous down to the fact that their fathers were the creators. Their mothers were both associated with sacred groves and trees. I mean, it, it's ridiculous. The, the tentative connections between the two of them. Right. I got a, I got a, this is I got from a, your sub stack from Proto European root bell, white, which would make sense. Ball, ball, fire. If we would link it with, you know, ball, God of God of the underworld, demonic being. Uh, yeah, that was a Christian thing that happened later on. Yeah, but, I mean, okay, what, do you, but... what do you do when you want to change a religion? You vilify the old one. Absolutely, demons, right? demons. Exactly. Devils. So the what was the god before Baal changes to El over a period of about a thousand years in 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 the Phoenician culture, right? Mm -hmm. And then from El, all of a sudden. It jumps into Judaism like a fucking lightning bolt, dude. L like all of a sudden, Phoenicians ended and the, the Jewish face picked up right there where they left off. And That's what I've been getting into lately, actually. I've been I've been doing a lot of research about the the whole origin of these Indo-Europeans and the Kurgan steppe and the Caucasus Mountains and all that. Mm. And then of course I'm into Box Saga, and you know, this is their story. They talk about uh, after, after, after ice time heading east that was a lot of where the family went and they're talking about like the two oldest families according to box saga are the Finns and the russians and that these two family lines started it all and you know one headed towards the east and the Caucasus. and of course we have the Caucasus mountains as the place where the canaanites are shit that sucks <laughs> okay <laughs> mild sputter did oh, everybody did see that or was it just me no, I didn't see it. Did you guys hear what I? <laughs> yeah. About the bombs. last three seconds, everything just froze for me. Oh, weird. So the so the I'm finding you know the Canaanites in the Caucasus Mountains, just as we're finding the Box Saga story. Kind of, there's a big gap, of course. You know, we have the Younger Dryas to about 5000 BC, where we don't really we're just getting we're told we're finding barely anything, right? The mainstream archaeology is like, well, the we have of the this Bronze culture Age. and this culture. We got the yeah, the Bronze Age, where ah, uh, you know, there's not much left of these people. The Brom people are in Scandinavia. We don't know much about them, but I it doesn't make any fucking sense to me. I it, everything explodes I mean, in six thousand or five fifty five hundred BC. Right. Look at look at what happened in the Dark Ages. Right, we have five thirty six AD. It just goes dark for a year. Krakatoa goes off. Right, it's out in the middle of the ocean. Not a lot of people are out there to witness the actual volcano going off. All they see is the whole sky go dark, and it stays that way. Right, and it happens right in right in the middle of fall. So it just seems to them like a winter storm came and just never fucking left right. for an entire year. Their crops dwindle. They get down to the point where they're cracking their animals' bones open, sucking the marrow out of them. And people start to get really unhealthy really fast through that time frame. Hmm. Now, you think about being alive at a time when human population was at a boom, right? They just started building these chapels in fucking england and all over europe that were these brick buildings that were i mean huge fucking buildings right all of a sudden they just stopped because all the laborers died dude 
because nobody but the nobility had anything to eat in their larders. And the nobility slowly died off because eventually, well, guess what happens when you don't have any guards left? The few remaining marauders come in and take your shit. So it's it was a really savage time for humanity, dude. And you got to think, how many times has that happened? Because that's that's just the one that we got recorded, right? Right, exactly. Now, how, how many long winters were there back in the time of the early Bronze Age during the Phoenicians and stuff that we we just have a really shitty record of? This ties into so many different themes too. I mean, the uh, just the idea of all of us being more noble and stronger and more just everything dealing with more reality. We are. I mean, we we always think that like our generation is better off than young kids right now, right? Because oh, they're living more in the simulation than anybody. We've been living in a simulation for hundreds or thousands of years. As soon as we started breaking away from these old noble ways of doing things throughout the year on probably that 13 month cycle and everything, you know, everything was different. It was a slow, gradual desensitization of the old ways. And I think there's a natural progression here too, from cataclysms like the one you mentioned, possible extraterrestrial impact like comets and asteroids and things like that. Uh, Michael Tessarian talks about, um, trauma a lot. And I like, I like this idea that we've, um, we've kind of, we were, we had an absolute traumatic event that occurred to us and basically gave us trauma, gave the human race trauma on a physical Mm -hmm. level first. And I think after that came with it, all the rest of humanity, right. And all of our handing down of narcissism and, and fear and just for generations and generations through living through absolute hell. Right. And sure, it's been thousands of years, but because of all the hoarding and all the ego and all the awful energy coming out of an original cataclysm, it makes kind of makes sense. You know, we've evolved this way mentally you, over time, you know, do you know because what? Giants, have, but hey, they, they haven't really evolved with us. So who, who knows? You know what? People have the least amount of like social drama and all of that stuff in their lives. They, they literally have such simple lives that they don't have time to ponder trivial things because we are, are, we're the first country in history with America that the fucking citizens are more inclined to die of obesity than starvation. I mean, that, that is an epic fail. Okay. I don't care how you look at it, right? Oh no, we've created this industrial, it's wasteful, right? Why? Why, why do we have the ability to eat until we barf and then keep eating again? Why would we, in, why would we indulge that? Animals have to die to, to feed us. You know what I mean? So like, I, there's just a whole twist that's happened with the mentality of the industrial revolution. We have desensitized people to farming and animals. When, when you can question people on the streets of where meat comes from that are 15 to 20 years old and they go to the grocery store. You you really have to question what's going on in the school system, you know, in the home and the homes, a hundred percent, a hundred percent, which I know, which comes, which one comes from which that's kind of what I'm saying about the trauma, right? Sure. We have nefarious groups and institutions. Absolutely. But I think that mentality 
it doesn't necessarily have to come from some supernatural demonic force. We can call it that. And it still aligns perfectly with the philosophy that these are fucked up people that have mm -hmm. handed down fucked up beliefs over generations and generations. Part of it is ruling the world and controlling everything because they're so fucking terrified of themselves. You know, I mean, I hate to, to, to give them any credence, but they're fucking no, human. You're, you're we didn't give them any right. more credence than that. They ain't giants. Right. Now, it, it, it reminds me of, sorry. Go ahead. It, I'm sorry. It, I'm sorry, brother. Go ahead. Of, that's okay. <clears throat> With my absolute shelf voice. It reminds me of uh, someone on Minds said that like ages ago. But the new frost giants, so to speak, are like these tech giants. You know, frosts because they're mm. so cold show it's cold blooded. They don't show what? emotion. Keep those like servers that. running in the nice cold air conditioning. <laughs> what was yeah. the name of that show where the frost that giants? That too, but because they don't, they don't care. They're, Are you talking about the cold. Netflix show Ragnarok? That's the one. Yes. See, I was just gonna bring them up when I said they ain't giants because, like, in the show, the bad guys they're not gigantic they're just these dickheads with yellow eyes sometimes when they get mad and i think that's on purpose you know that's written there on purpose these are not great magnificent people anymore to worship or anything like that yeah, but they it, come it, from that somehow but we, i don't know it's oh, these frustrating. But these companies are the new frost giants because they're so cold-hearted and mm. Like uh, sometimes, literally, we're the economy of a country. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you start referring to citizens as mouths to feed, it, yeah. it's it's dehumanizing, you know. And leadership. This is where I think we've we've taken a a left hand turn and just went 110 miles an hour in the wrong direction. Yeah. Um, small towns and villages have always been successful because all of the people are cohesive. You know. When, when you have a small town or a small village, it only tolerates a certain amount of, of waste and laziness before it extricates it naturally, right? And, and it, it, it serves its own civil needs, right? Its own social systems. People used to take care of their own elders at home until the day they died. Doctors yep. did house called. It was, it, you know, it, I mean, it was just done that way. And now we have dehumanized the human experience. You know, we're, we're numbing people with these cities because we've taken the social aspect of governing communities away from the people in society. And once the government is so big that you can no longer look at your local leader in the eyes, there is a problem. You know, and when, when somebody is worrying about violating laws, they should only need to know the laws in their local area. You should not have to worry about, okay, am I violating a state law, a federal law? Uh, you know, like it, it gets really ridiculous in some areas because you have so much overlap of power. Yeah, compartmentalization, right? That's kind of the name. That's one of the main tactics that all of these governments use. And in a way, it's kind of like a fractalization, right? It's complication, multiplication, division over and over and over again, they, making it more and more and more and more and more. It's amazing how many different black projects. Like, uh, yeah, it's just like in every aspect of society, we're fractalized as much as they can possibly do it like they, they will break everything down it's amazing all the little apps and things that my wife finds like telling her which 
like she's obsessed with like the colors of that that go with her skin tone and her eye and all that kind of shit but the, there's millions of ways that they'll break down the human experience and tell you if you're this then you do this or if the, you know it's always the same old game of putting everybody into their own boxes and while we've all been screaming to just look outside the box they've just said yeah sure yeah look outside the box we've got many other boxes for you and they've just made <laughs> the boxes even smaller you know i don't know I'm I'm a little I'm boxes. dude that's why i love that new saying look outside no box required fuck it yeah, no, no you box know, like, required. Yeah. just get out of the cities man it, georgina was talking about georgina rose on um on twitter the other day and i was like chatting back at her she basically said she got out of the city for a little while and just, wow, what an experience, you know? And that's that's true. God, if you've ever been in a city for a long period of time or even a neighborhood, you know, not even like a dense populated city, just a basic neighborhood. Yeah. And then you get out away from all of the electrical interference, the lights, right until your cell phone doesn't have service, stop and camp there, right? Yeah, I mean, you I, will have one of the most enlightening experiences of your entire life. I experienced that today. I went to visit the uh, the graves of my uh, my grandparents and my my brother, um, all in you know small town Netherlands in the the Flower Bulb region. Went there on on bike, you know, uh, like through the dunes and over the dikes and whatever. And just it made me realize that you know. Living in a, a smaller town, I mean, if you're 10 years old and you move from the big city, then like a smaller town, you know, it absolutely sucks. It's boring. There's nothing to do, you know, because it you're, seems that way. You're, yeah. Now, you know, 31 years old, father of two, myself, I see the value of those smaller towns of those, yeah. those you know those that's why they don't want us to have kids because that's what fucking does it to you yeah <laughs> not yeah. always you know i i just i sat there in my well former hometown my the the town where my uh my mother was born and raised just you know having a beard just looking around it was just like this is nice this is nice. I didn't value it then, but I most definitely now. Yeah, like the idea of the relatives uh, being taken care of until their last dying breath in the home and all that. Like, it's such a foreign idea to most of our society now. But man, that was something that happened to me being a father. Just, you know, progressing my thoughts into the future and everything. The idea of watching this little boy that I love so much just disappear and go off and live his and nothing against living your own life. Of course not. But that home feeling of getting us all together as family, that is, yeah. it's an, like, uh, there's so much trying to fight against that and logic, like try to be logical about it because of progressivism or the, just the way that the world is today. And it's, it's bullshit because it shouldn't have to take away from that ever. But I think youth, the, I, this is an abstract here, but like, I think youth has kind of taken over. I think that's what the new world order is. Letting youth do whatever the fuck it wants, kind of. I have this idea that it's kind of this old way versus the new way. This old way is kind of a an acceptance of reality in the way that it is. As in, 
We're not going to build this to do this, to do this, to do this. We're going to take what nature has given us and, and survive. And I think this was the old way for the most part. This new way is, no, 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 no. We can do this way faster, way, way better. And doesn't that sound like the kid to just be racing off and the older one to be like, ah, he'll Maybe see in time. He'll see in time. But mm -hmm. the thing is, we're building a culture on the ones that are never fucking looking back. And in fact, yeah. erasing all of it. Instant gratification culture, bro. We we yeah, we used to get yeah. our gratification from building things and making things and crafting and working, right? Not just by looking at the paycheck at the end of the week and paying the bills, right? But by, by just by simply getting it done, by finishing a job, a task, you got a dopamine hit naturally, right? Yeah. And it took time to do that. Now you can get the same dopamine hit with 10 likes on Twitter. You know what I mean? So why bother carving the intricate bookshelf? It, it doesn't make sense to me how we've so negatively reverted and then we look at society and go, fuck, what happened? Well, I mean, you abandoned every principle you had. That's what fucking happened. You know, you're scratching, like I get to sit down. <laughs> it, it, that's the crazy thing. Okay. Our, our parents dude. just in America, I can say this. I don't know what the economy is like in the Netherlands, dude, but in America, even when I was just coming up to getting my first job, I'm 42, right? When I was getting my first job, I could work a full-time job and pay the bills at our apartment and a car payment and insurance and the electric and a phone bill. For me, my girlfriend, and my one-year-old son at the time. All of the sudden, over like a five-year period, I noticed that I had two full-time jobs, right? <laughs> and then it's like, hold on, what the fuck happened? Because now I'm splitting a fucking a duplex with somebody instead of renting a full-size house. Uh, so I've only got half as much property, but I'm working twice as hard for it. Where the fuck did this disconnect happen, man? Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, if, if I... If I compare myself to my parents when they were my age, uh, I believe my uh, like I was I was a couple of years old. My brother was in the make, let's say. Uh, but you know, both had a had a good job. My mom was always home on Wednesdays. Uh, my dad worked hard. They had a like their own own house. They bought just you know nothing special. You know, three bedrooms, three bedrooms bathroom, you know, enough for a regular family. family. Yeah. Uh, you know, a uh, you know, a good decent car where you can, you know, take the kids, take a look up, take a couple of bags with you. And we went on vacation every summer. And now yeah. I'm happy that I get to pay my rent at the end of the month and have yeah. money left. Yep. Yeah. Did and and that's the crazy thing. Like they say generation X and Z are lazy. Are they lazy or are they unrewarded and ungrateful because of it? You know what I mean? They have to work twice as hard to have half as much. So, I mean, maybe they have a reason to be pissed off. You know, we, we've, we've, like I said, when we, when we started populating these huge cities, we created a social vacuum that just turbocharged inflation because now we need to make enough money to support New York, LA, and all of these other cities on top of our local area. You know, I mean, we, we did start to build giant 
things like giant buildings, but it was just that's more to to show that you're like you have a big dick. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. That's that's why they're so tall. It's, you know, just oh, my obvious. Yeah, and, and, well, that, and that was that was the whole idea of New York is real estate is the most expensive thing on an island, right? Because you have limited space. You, you have got a finite resource with the amount of square footage. So what can so, you do to populate more people into that area? You yeah. start going vertically, right? Yeah. And I'm sorry, when your society is so tightly packed and so vertically inclined that you've got people living in 90-story high-rises, maybe it's time to rewind just a little bit. Let's not, I mean, not, not abandon technology or science and medicine and all of that, but maybe just break our governments back down to a local government level, right? Keep the local spending, keep the local spending budget in the area. You know what I mean? When your tax money stays in your area, your area improves because when you keep, you keep the wealth of your community in the community. I'm sorry, guys, I got a delay. So I can't tell when there's a moment of silence. That's right. That happens to all of us from time to time, you know. I talk to uh, Joke Hagstrom from Sweden often, and we, you know, there's a delay there often too. It happens. It's the best part about having this international community that we have. And and that's that is the cool. That's the positive thing about the internet, right? Technology, man. It is a marvelously abused tool, right? We have the wealth of human knowledge at our fingertips. And what do we get from it? Two girls, one cup. I'm just saying <laughs> humanity took a hard left, dude. Like the things that we used to abhor and used to be taboo are now mainstream. You know what I mean? Kink that was only whispered about in back rooms just 40 years ago is now published in the front of a fucking target. You know, I mean... <laughs> What's weird too, because like there's, there's a part of me and it's probably that youthful part of me that I can definitely recall from my psychedelic days in my twenties and everything that if I was to have, if I was to be like early twenties in this today, I might've gotten hoodwinked too. I don't know, because just the idea of progress is such a hard thing to argue against because it's such a meticulously developed manufactured plot against us and i I really mean that the word progress itself has been used since the beginning of the 20th century purposely in this way the new progress the new progressivism the new this the new governance the it's all leading towards this thing it's been hijacked of course look what democrats used to be right look i mean just a couple years ago look what democrats used to be you look at steppenwolf for example the most famous line in any song that i can recall you waste my coin, Sam, all you can to jail my fellow man. All right. I mean, that's just, it, it seems true. How much government money do we pay into the government for them to limit and attack us with it? And that's, that's why I said that, you know, those companies and, you know, the, the, what is now a giant government, they are the new frost giants. They are, mm-hmm. You know, if yeah, we absolutely. are the descendants of the gods, then they are the frost giants that 
we should beat. Yeah. <laughs> um, real quick on those like taboos kind of like being plastered in public everywhere. This is part of that great archaic revival that every, you know, hippie guru fucking controlled opposition person was, was uh, bringing to the public in the West. And it, it's a part of uh, every bit of our American rebellion over here has been manufactured in, in some part. And, yeah, controlled you know, opposition rebellion. Absolutely. And, and it goes into music and movies and all, and all that stuff but just the idea of being bad instead of being good it like literally flipped at some point in american culture which is a hijacking for sure however there's this argument from the left side of more the more left side of things i would say that that as an individual progresses they become more comfortable with themselves they open up they are more honest right as too would be a society and a culture of people in that fractal way of looking at things where we're going to be more comfortable about, you know, admitting who we really are as a people and things like that. And I'm, I'm not saying there can, there has to be truth on one side or the other, but it's good to include that angle because that is at least what we're contending with. If not even a valid point, perhaps, you know what I mean? It's... That we are evolving as a people the same way individuals evolve too. that. We are more open. Everything is more open these days. Not to say that they're, you know, but limits are man-made, you know, and mm -hmm. I, I'm not condoning any weird shit that went on in ancient history, but as a prime example, box saga, right? It's all very taboo. A lot of it is very taboo. And if you look to other Aboriginal cultures and other parts of the world that had weird rights and things like that, we're going to feel the same way about these taboos. Yet we do have this archaic revival that's been pushed on us at the same time that we have this natural progression of being more open and more comfortable with ourselves and each other. Mm -hmm. Enjoy listening to podcasts and ever wonder, can I make a podcast? But it seems so complicated and good audio production can take time. What if there was a way to create an amazing podcast easily? Well, now there is. Introducing Podcasting Made Easy from Podtastic Audio. My production team will handle your entire audio production, allowing you to be the star of your show. This is Podcasting Made Easy. How easy? Well, so easy, you don't even have to press record. Now that's easy. Your listeners are waiting. Let's deliver. Sign up for a free strategy call today at podcasticaudio.com slash easy. Well, all right, look, at, look at Dane Law. Look at the freedom of Dane Law back in England, right? As long as you victimize no other person, their property or man, you were free to do whatever the fuck you wanted. Every dude in the community, every dude in the community was to remain armed and police the area that he saw every day. You, every man was deputized, basically, right? Mm -hmm. And what they had was one of the most polite and civilized societies in England could not figure out how that was happening with people that were so barbaric, you know? How, how did these marauders have such a civilized culture that literally, like, they tried to invade them, and because every man stays armed, they couldn't. So when they modeled the U.S. Constitution, they were like, hey, we saw this community back in England back in the day that was really successful, you know. So they take the have them all principles and apply them to the U.S. Constitution with the Second Amendment. You've got have them all, verse 38, you know, and basically we've 
We started out with something golden and noble and had an ultimately free society that learned from the mistakes of other past empires and societies. And if it was kept small, local, and decentralized, it would have remained that way. When we let that new way came in, just like it always does, that youthful rebellion came in against the natural order. It's the new Atlantis. Yeah. It's, you know, where it fell from the inside out supposedly in most yeah because they they strayed further and further away from the divine Mm. you know look at what's happening with the western worlds we are culture which is you know interesting just thank you for pointing that out real quick just to jump in with this that like we were talking earlier about how that possible physical traumatic event would have pushed us into those conditions you know even the box saga talks about this Atlantis being Atlantis, all land ice being a time period of a great struggle. It's this horrible time period. So we hear it as is given to us through the Greek myths, right? Handed down by academia. And who is to blame? Humanity itself. Humanity fell from the, they strayed from their ways. Just like they do everything, they put it in our hands. The environment's our fault. Everything's our fault. The entire moral of the Bible, bro. It was actually a natural fault, perhaps. That's the entire moral. (laughs) The entire moral of the Bible, though. Everything is your fault. It was your fault from the beginning that we're in these conditions, so live with it. Yeah. Well, uh, Josh, you recently visited Book Tower, didn't you? Yes, I did. Bird Dog. Me and Bird Dog went there. Excellent. Yep. Yeah, you gotta you gotta meet up with Narco because you guys would have some fun. I think Dude. you guys would do some good episodes. Have, have, have you seen Bach Tower ever in person? Never in person, just lots of pictures. And I learned well, all about the history of it and the whole golden doors that are literally the story of Genesis right on them. And it's unreal. Yeah. And who the guy yes. that built them, it's all connected to the box it's it's nuts man and narco longo taught me that that area of florida well i'm sorry not maybe not that area wherever st petersburg florida has the highest percentage of finnish people mm-hmm. and it's like this perfect jetway through the uh gulf stream up to what used to be st petersburg finland before it became russia mm-hmm. so it's pretty pretty Dude, interesting look at the hill that bach tower is on all right First and foremost, when that dude came there, there were still Indians occupying that area. They had to evict them, right? So Bach Tower is built on the biggest hill in Florida. It's the highest point in Florida, yeah. right? Now, if you stand at the bottom of that hill and look up at it, it's a spiral mound, a really fucking huge spiral mound, bro. Standing at the base of that hill and looking up at it, it is the biggest earthwork creation I've ever seen. And you could follow if you look at the aerial photograph of it and look at the elevation photograph, you could see where they carved areas out of it to make the botanical gardens and put the house and the mansion and all that. But the, as a whole, it's literally just one enormous spiral mound, right? Who used to build those? I'm just saying in the 1920s and then it was named a national landmark in I think like the 1920s and then the state landmark in the 50s or something. So there's like no doubt that you are not allowed to even radar the ground there. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Yeah. But look at that tower. Look at all the aspects of it. And esoterically, I'm telling you that tower is energetically put there to keep something in the ground. Right. Oh, that would be, uh, that's an interesting idea. Especially since, oh man. Take every, take every myth about flowing water being used to contain things. 
about pink granite and different kinds of granite being used to contain things. Gold, okay? Bach Tower's got all of them. Then it's got the brass bells at the top. Then the brass bells were used to um, the the old giants, the hill giants and shit. Um, They were used to annoy them, right? So it's got a carry-on bell system with like a 12-ton bell on it, dude, the biggest one. It, the only these uh, there's like two people or two caretakers that are allowed inside the Bach Tower in every generation. Wow. So nobody really effing knows what's inside that thing except for a very couple people that are also like the masons that take care of it and shit. Mm. So I mean, there's a there's a lot of mystery still around it when it's right there in plain sight. To this very I'm going to send you a link after we get off because uh, there was an episode I did recently that we talked about these this place in detail with tons of crazy connections. We even did like this uh, interactive map where it showed the water levels way higher than they are now and where Bok Tower would most likely still be out of the water and all that in uh-huh. case of a cataclysm or something. It, we, it, we made some interesting connections. For sure, the sea level the yeah. sea level can go up 120 feet. Which yeah. I mean, if you gauge if you gauge what would happen, let's say if a third of the ice started to melt, right, within it's over a ten years, over a ten year period. Yep. You yeah, and dude, that door. Hey, now here's the crazy fucking part about that door because there's a conspiracy around it, right? Yeah. They. Everything in the writing says that door used to have 32 panels on it, and each panel depicted a part of the creation. Count the fucking panels on that door and tell me there's 32 of them there. And they tell you the original door is not on the box tower anymore. It's in a museum somewhere. Really? Oh, I didn't yes. know that. Or maybe the I ones did, that they show. The two doors, the two doors that they have on display, the one that's still on the tower is a replica, and the one that they have in a museum showing as a representation of the Bach Tower door is also a replica. No shit. 26, well, 30 if you count these, like, half ones. I I love how erroneous it is to do this, too. Like, if someone were to ask, like, what's so important about this Bach Tower that we have to have replicas and replicas? They'd be like, well, because of so-and-so and and the important, it was just wonderful, and we have to preserve it. And everybody just goes, oh, okay. Well, they take this seriously. (laughs) You know? It's so easy to just, well, I'm not interested in archaeology or any of these things, anthropology, so I'm sure this is just what they do with everything. Yep. If only we did we, we, we just have to accept in America, or actually around the world, because now it's global, the Smithsonian, right? They get these artifacts. Well, where are they? Uh, storage locker XB32, C, uh, row 11, file 9 in that, in that building over there. And it's like an underground warehouse just full of boxes, right? <laughs> it's been in there for 121 years. 121 years it's been in the Smithsonian building and never been researched. There's Denisovan bones all over under there that have never had any genealogical testing on. So, hey, random way to just swoop it back around to giants. Um, What do you guys think about, like, the Great Pyramid and and all these massive, intricate buildings from the past that we are mostly being 
directed towards like uh well we're mostly being directed in this community towards like uh mag uh, electromagnetism and uh frequencies and vibration lifting stone and things like that that's where like i see a lot of the community being directed as far up the food chain quote unquote is like carlson randall carlson and all these high-end people starting to slowly push those narratives but if we have clients I, yeah, I actually, sure. but if we have giant, I actually have a theory. I actually have a theory about that. Okay. Um, okay. We weren't always like mankind, or the you know, we weren't always as physical, as dense as we are now. We were once like true light bodies, and over time, as mankind fell, as you know, the angels fell, because according to some beliefs, we are also part of the angelic hierarchy. Uh, we fell into matter. You know, with this body being in the absolute state of matter. Yeah. Um, But what if it wasn't just like us, us man, mankind who fell into density? What if it was like the rest, like the rest of of the planet, rest of the earth, everything? So those giant blocks that weigh multiple tons now in this very dense 3D uh, what if those were a lot lighter, a lot less, a lot less dense? That's that's I what like I mean. Been, when you, when you look at the Big Bang, right? Look at the Big Bang, and then think about gravity in, as a whole, right? The universe is forever expanding, and this is my tie-in with that, right? You look at look at Tesla's visions and dreams and everything. And he saw everything on a both macro and micro scale, right? And when you think along those lines, you think to the the lowest level of macro that a human can see, and that's an atom, right? Now, what does an atom look like? It's a neutron, a positive energy force in the middle with a bunch of electrons going around it. Well, on on the macro, what does a solar system look like? It looks just like a fucking atom. Right. Fractal again. So, I mean, when you break that down and then the numbers, dude, when you get into the numbers, especially 26,000 and then 432, those two numbers come up so many different places when you start doing the math and the Euclidean geometry and all the shit around the pyramids, the sizes, the dimensions. It's absurd now, 26,000 is the amount of years that the Earth takes to make its full uh, processional orbit, right? There, but there's it breaks down into so many other things also, right? Mm-hmm. Then the number 32, I think what Tesla was able to do, I think he had a barrier in his brain that somehow took the, the wall between logic and creativity away, like he, he had a very, very unique form of like Asperger's or something like that that gave him almost like a permanent DMT drip, right? Yeah, yeah. Where, where he was able to put himself into states of meditation, and he, he admits this solely himself. He would put either static on or just electrical static and then just sit there and listen, right? A and a lot of these things came to him through static. All right, subliminal receivers in the mind. We're always told that static is just static and that it is. It's just interference and it's out there. And, you know, what if static is way more than that? Right. Oh, and yeah, I think that's an age old question because it now, what is ether too? What is space? Right. Now we, we, we can picture as humans infinity and then a total void or an abyss or a vacuum or lack thereof. 
right? But can we really, really fathom what that is? You know, and, and I think our ancestors, because they were so much more connected to the earth and the stars and the sky and just their environment, period, right? Because they were so much more in tune and connected with it. They were able to see it in a way that we can't even grasp in modern society, right? They saw how and it all came together. Tesla was able to breach that wall, right? He was able to see backwards and forwards, right? On the macro and the micro. So I think he was a very unique individual that only comes around once every couple thousand years. And I think we bastardized him for profit. I think that the greatest creations of mankind have been weaponized and kept secret by the government. There's there's some huge information coming out. And I don't know if you've seen it, Deep Share. I'm pretty sure you run in enough circles that you would know about this. But on the, the 6th of this month and the 12th of this month, there are supposed to be some information releases that come out that change the course of humanity on this very what? topic. Yes. Right. Do you know who Kim Iverson is? I think I've heard the name before. All right. I shared a podcast she did with this UFOologist. He's a doctor, right? Stephen Greer. Yeah. And well, Stephen Greer is a tiptoey subject because of just who he is, right? In his history. But the guy has tugged on lines and filled out some FOIA requests and yoked some information out of the hands of the government and from whistleblowers that has basically brought Tesla's shit back to light. The fact that what we're seeing is all these UAPs is actually Tesla's black box technology that just never came out, right? Those missing 32 crates of information or whatever, however you want to word that, right? And you look at who the people were that were in the room and there's two government officials and I can't remember who the other one was, but one of them was Donald Trump, right? Whose relatives were right there in the room when they confiscated Tesla's shit. Yes. Um, no, no, no. His relative was responsible for the raid on Tesla's stuff. Yes. Yeah. But he, he also had firsthand grabby, grab assedness towards the goods and, and first firsthand uh, access to it. Yep. And was it Ford? The other person? I want to say it was, it might have been Henry Ford. Either way, it was another politically influenced philanthropist, you know, very, very uh, famous figure. <laughs> but they, they, you look at their family history after that, and all of the sudden, this power just comes into their families. Tesla's building Wardenclyffe in New York, right? Trump comes in years later, builds Trump Tower. I'm just saying, like, there's a lot of shit. That if you really dig into the conspiracy theories, dude, like the Baron Trump stuff, like I love some of it, dude, just because of its yeah. entertainment value, right? Yeah. But <laughs> I think I think that's the stuff that you know, like we, we get into the term conspiracy theory, right? The CIA literally created conspiracy theories to muddy the water about shit that started to come out before they wanted to announce it. Yeah, they're the original Q. Right? <laughs> right, exactly. And, and that's a great example of it, right? What they would do is they would add a kernel of truth into something. Pizzagate is a perfect example. They oh, put yeah. Jeffrey Epstein's story in the middle of this. Then they put all this other ridiculous detail around it that's absolute bupkis bullshit, right? But the Epstein stuff's in the middle of it. So when they debunk the absolute bullshit around it, they also just lump Epstein's story in two with the debunking and throw it off to the side. Right. And that's the way they just erase it for the next couple of years until somebody else brings it up, right? And this has been done with JFK's killing, with UFOs, with all of this shit, right? Yep. 
Now we get to the the agreements between Eisenhower and the Nords and some of the more fun conspiracies, right? right. Some of the new new declassified shit that's come out fairly recently. That's some heavy shit, dude. Well, I mean, we're t- we're talking about the um, the Griotta Treaty, uh huh, Granada Treaty or whatever. This is all anecdotal. None none of this is declassified. We're, we're not, you know, this is all third party word of mouth. I'm not trying to okay. deny it because okay. I do think there's the only reason Again. why I'm saying it's not proven is because people run with it whether it was aliens, and I honestly Again. really think chip away the bullshit around it, like just like the yeah. Kennedy assassination and all the other shit. They took a real story spun a whole bunch of bullshit around it and threw it at us absolutely. because it started yeah, yeah. to leak out. We're speaking right? the same language. Yeah, absolutely. So there, there is kernels of truth in it. The thing is, is what year was that? That was what? 1940 something. I can't remember when the treaty of Greece. No, it was 57. Fuck. Was it Eisenhower? It was it Eisenhower. Been around 59, somewhere around there. 57, 59. 59 I, yeah. Right. Um, but now, anyway, look at, Look at Valthor. They were dealing with in that decade and the decade look before at, and the decade before. Look at Valthor, bro. Vril, Vril just technology. The, just the story of Valthor by itself, right? You Dude, look at yeah. the little kernels of truth that are inside of it, okay? Yep. Okay, so two police officers did bring a guy to the government, the CIA specifically, that they said they witnessed a 200-foot-wide metallic craft land. This dude got out of it. He goes to the CIA, and the CIA kept him there for three years, right? Right, yeah. It wasn't because it was bullshit. They don't do that. If it's a lunatic, they just commit him. You know what I mean? Like, right. if so there was I've nothing- looked into Valiant Thor, and I- you you'll have we'll have to do maybe we could do an episode on him. I'm sure there's enough to talk about because I never no, found yes, any clear evidence that he existed at all. Just like a handshake, but and like a car ride or something. Yeah, I I can't remember what I saw, but yeah, the idea of him from Venus is like the bullshit thrown in. But who the fuck was this guy and who did he represent? You know, right now and 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 it's said by there's witness accounts, right? And in this. In the CIA documents, it's just witness accounts of people that came in contact with the dude that said there was something unique about him, that women just fell in love with him. Dudes wanted to be like him. He had this pheromonal presence that when he walked into a room, you instantly just looked at him, right? Like you didn't even have to know he walked in and you knew somebody walked in. Right. So, I wonder if that's was, also like another side to the uncanny valley. Like well, that idea. Had no, the, the, the curious thing is he had no belly button. Right. Now there's that's the one weird thing that three witness accounts and the CIA declassified documents elude to. Right. It, but and and that's the crazy part. If it was total bullshit, why was the guy there for three years, dude? Why did they introduce him to two different presidents? Oh, right. Yeah, exactly. And I think that he was he was there. I really do. And I just think that what's being presented as Valiant Thor is like a crazy sci-fi alien story. You know what I mean? Yes. They but yeah, the conspiracy again, the, theory onion to it. The um the Vril Society that's, you know, inexorably tied to the Third Reich and Nazis was the last of like over a hundred different names these these groups had used in that area that were researching ancient Germanic history and the occult and everything. But the Prussians kept outlawing it over and over 
again since like 1806 that was going on. So I mean, they tie, yeah, so Bro. they tie they tie Vril Society directly. They tie Vril Society to the Nazis and they leave it at that. They talk about Himmler and they say, yep, they're all crazy in the occult. But this was going on in Germany for a long time. People yes. looking into their history and then getting smashed by the Prussians and not allowed to do it. So I'm not trying to paint Nazis in a good light, but looking at the Germanic history and people trying to do it under these different names that they kept having to pop up with different names because they kept getting destroyed. It's really interesting. No, that, that ties that's, into this UFO technology and the, the and, supposed Hanubi uh, space, you know, bell technology and stuff like that. And now that's, that's where it, it rings right back into the giants, right? Okay. Is we have another thing that's been right in front of our faces all this time. Right. And it's like that. What does that old mean? Okay. The CIA lied to us in the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, the 2010s, but they just decided to stop. Yeah. You yeah, know, like the good guys. Lou Elizondo is your best friend, everybody. Exactly, dude. And like, all right. I call him Uncle America. Dude, what's the show of uh, uh, Skinwalker Ranch? Oh right? my God. It's worse than fucking Jersey Shore. Dude, it gives me a fucking headache. Right? <laughs> it gives me a fucking headache. That everyone's taken seriously in the UFO. You've community. got it. You've literally got two CIA operatives. Their tech guy and Travis are both CIA ops, right? Yeah. This Absolutely. ranch, look at Project Blue Book, right? If Project Blue Book came out, I would have never known about this, right? But this, the, the show Project Blue Book comes out, that Dr. Alan Hynek's journals come out. And he basically finds, look at the last season of Project Blue Book, one of the last episodes of Skinwalker Ranch. And he fucking locates what's going on there. And it's literally just radio and wave technology that they're using to fuck with people. Picture harp, picture harp built into the side of a mountain, dude. They're using the natural dish that is the, the valley there. And they've yes. created a, a focused antenna out of it. Well, That's don't tell brilliant perspective. Don't tell Firefay. It's one of her favorite shows. So, so this is the problem. We come up against our own community a lot when we start talking about this. And you know, a lot of people in another slightly different spectrum of this same, uh, like kind of looking back on ourselves, looking back on the on the things that we've uh, quote unquote uncovered or. or you know, fallen into. Um, it's the same thing with questioning uh, controlled opposition. You know, a lot of times this word black pilled is now the new conspiracy theorist. Only conspiracy theorists use it on other conspiracy theorists. And it's uh -huh. everything becomes black pilled. But at the same time, there's a lot to be said about it. You know, absolutely. I mean, like I said, if the CIA has been hiding all that stuff for all that time, what don't we know about that's been happening over the past? 30 years you know what i mean oh, sure, yeah we, we've only got crap declassified as of you know a couple of years ago but they're about to do a major stephen greer's about to do this major dump because they've got a couple whistleblowers that came forward right and they're like bob lazar level whistleblowers you know what i mean like people that had their hands into the reverse engineering and all this other shit and he basically came out on kim iverson's show and She's, you know, millions of followers. She used to be on the Hill and all kinds of other shit. She was a, a actual real deal journalist, right? He yeah, comes I on her show. He comes on her show like a couple weeks ago and basically says, you know, we've we found out what they're doing, and these UFOs that you see, half of them are ours, 
and half of them are ETVs, you know, and there's a difference between the extraterrestrial vehicles that we see and these black triangles and these, these black um, diamond shaped crafts that are our creations, you know, can I, these can things- I be the black pilled motherfucker here to, and mm-hmm. respond to that real quick? I'm not trying to be negative, but I have to point out ever since Stephen Greer started hawking around a little tiny mini skeleton as advertisements for his big upcoming serious documentary claiming it was an alien and stuff like that and then hoodwinked everybody and revealed at the very end of the documentary what he knew the whole time throughout his whole advertising campaign was not a fucking alien at all that set the stage for his whole popularity and for me, set the stage what for everything that he has said since. Bro, he's actually detailed why he did that. Do you know why he did that? Because he, he came straight out and said he needed to build an audience. Because anybody, like me and you, we can sit here and scream into the ether all day long. We get like, what, a couple hundred listeners, a couple thousand watchers at best on a good video, you I know? You. But when, when you create the base first... Then you've got a million people that are already watching. You know what my I mean? Part, my, my, then, part two, my part two to this response is that a lot of questioning of alien disclosure is going on. And it yeah. looks to me like he's kind of uh, doing that division thing now. Okay, well, some of it is that totally but the other stuff you got you should totally still come out to the to, to the field with me and pay me I five thousand dollars tying it back into the pyramids they you know that's the whole ancient alias theory like, that's, that's basically like, what he admits is that our governments had that technology and that it's not lost we've had it all along you know, Absolutely, and, and I think what he's say, also saying is that there's a fucking breakaway civilization from long ago that gave it to us yes. that is still in operation, and that's probably yeah, who gotta, we're talking. If there is a big scary boogeyman for real, it's it's an it's an earlier form of us. It's probably this parent race that we're all talking about, it's and the, they're still around. I'm writing a book here of how you know supposed giants, humans. And we know these, the pyramids. We, we know these rulers that have been ruling for so long. They're the same personalities that we have today. They build themselves up bigger than they ever were, too. No. So we you want to know what my theory is on those pyramids? Uh, this is and this is no joke, dude. On the pyramids, on all of it, right? It's it's survival shelters, bro. Darren Kuyu, the Longyu Caves, the pyramids, they're fucking survival shelters. There's always been a group of humanity a little pocket that was able to follow the global procession cycle. They knew that every 25,900 or whatever the number is, we were going to have another set of cataclysms that if they created just the right shelter, they would be able to survive it and they would use the people to do these shelters. Right. Right. In the the great pyramids that there is a tunnel leading to the inner earth. I mean, yeah, people get mythological and crazy with it, but the facts are that there are absolutely tunnels under those pyramids that are, that have military guards in front. Well, not right there, but you're not allowed in any of them. You know, there's plenty of stuff like that. And it's funny that no one, no one comes out and says, well, Egypt, I mean, this is for, you know, international history. Come on. You're not allowed to do that. You know, no one cares to do that because they're all in fucking cahoots with it. They don't want it coming out until they're ready. You know, they want to go underground. They want, they don't want this shit to come out until, it's too late for us to do anything. God, this sounds 
horribly blackpilled. Dude, look at the Denver <laughs> airport. It's, look it's at the true. Denver airport. Dude, right? You can't. Uh, we, oh. we have bunkers. We've done it still to this day. We're using tax money to build bunkers for just this group of elites and the government to survive in case of a cataclysm. Yeah. Meanwhile, the common man is sitting here naive to the whole thing for the most part. You know, they, they go to school and learn just enough to be a Google delivery or a uh, Amazon delivery driver, and they get thrown out into the fucking world. And that's literally what we have going on right now, right? We have people purposely trying to indoctrinate people in schools against something that we, I mean, we've known Mesopotamia is not the oldest civilization for a very long time now. Yeah, okay? way longer yeah. than anyone will admit. <laughs> you ask fucking Google what the oldest civilization is, and it still tells you Mesopotamia. Yeah, so consumer. look, I mean, look at, look, I shared an article in the tribe earlier today, and it's an archaeological find in Greece, right? Now they're saying it may not be actual Homo sapiens that did it, but they found a stone circle structure and some other buildings and artifacts from a group of oh. human descendants from 1.3 million years ago in Greece. Whoa, did, now we're getting into some archaeology territory. Did the history with Kaylee? Did Kaylee just make a, a video on that? No, she announced a video is coming out based on those finds in two days. She, she literally just she made an announcement. One. She made major. One. She said major archaeological find or major video coming out in a couple days. Stay tuned or something like that. But Please send me that if you guys can. She did the one, Stein. The one you're talking about is the one in France. There, there was a set of caves, I think, in France that they yeah. found the same thing where they took the stalactites and stalagmites in the cave and basically made rooms inside of it. Mm -hmm. And they, they date back to like an absurd time frame when you look at it. So, yeah, where our cultures pyramid and ziggurat style cultures no we just made them in caves bro we used nature's landscape to create our homes and over time people just forgot you know or yeah. government well, as we got further, the further away up. from nature you know as we became more confident confident in ourselves we had more time to think and we had this desire to i don't know there's something in there about that you know like we, it was clearly a natural progression and then the know. explorers just landing here dude that like that part of the story really gets me we, not not only are we doubting let's let's say um everybody says oh the ancient indian stories are literally just tales okay uh then the eddas and the bible oh that's just figurative tales Fine. Yeah, all just yeah. All the skeletons in the mounds. All right. Then you get into the detailed reports from the first explorers. Some of the most trusted people in our history that were literally naming countries after and basing their finds and historical discoveries, you know, like all based around them. And we have to say, okay, but we have to discount this part of their story because that was just fantasy. Are, are you fucking serious? You know what I mean? Like I, uh, okay, I can discount maybe one aspect of it, but just like with the conspiracy theories, they take one kernel of truth, wrap a whole bunch of bullshit around it and go, look, now it's all fake. Well, they also do something a little bit more complex than that as well sometimes where they take our history and our spirituality and they kind of intertwine them and wrap them together. So that when we come back from, say, a psychedelic experience or, you know, a near-death experience or whatever, you know, an ineffable perturbation of consciousness, we come back from that, 
a lot of us get struck with this need to look into it. What the hell was that? You know, and we find ourselves in these kind of communities, right? We find ourselves reading books about fairies and mythological creatures and things like that because of the way these folklore stories and mythologies have been handed down to us is not the original way they were told. And even anthropologists from the 1700s took these stories as prehistory. They didn't take them as, Oh, just weird, magical, spiritual things. You know, that, that was put there specifically. It looks like in the early to mid 1800s and further into European literature and academia with folklore you know, portal becoming more than just a seafaring term for porthole. It became this magical doorway. Along Dude, with what the elves. In the 13 and 1400s, we have this twist of every history at one time. There's this really famous king. Uh, he has a book named after him. What's his name? Uh, the King James Bible. Ah, that right? guy. Yeah, this guy. Um, I mean, he did. Con he he. How do I word this? This guy had just about every major religion on the planet rewritten through a Christian lens in his lifespan and had his versions of those books replacing some of the ancient texts. And it wasn't until after he died and after shit went down that we start finding caves and stuff with some of the old material still back in it, right? Like the Dead Sea Scrolls. So... I mean, they've they've taken uh, uh, not just one religion, but literally all of them and twisted them to a couple distinct rulers points of view in order for them to optimally profit off of it and obfuscate this coming catastrophe possible now to keep us what? occupied, keep us just where they want us. Hi, everyone. This is JJ, the co-founder of Good Pods. If you haven't heard of it yet, Good Pods is like Goodreads or Instagram, but for podcasts. It's new, it's social, it's different, and it's growing really fast. There are more than 2 million podcasts, and we know that it is impossible to figure out what to listen to. On Good Pods, you follow your friends and podcasters to see what they like. That is the number one way to discover new shows and episodes. You can find Good Pods on the web or download the app. Happy listening. What happens if humans do run into their true history and find out why? Let's say we, we, we finally look back and go, okay, the giants were real. Cool. Where'd they go? Oh, they were destroyed in a flood 26,900 years ago. Oh, well, what caused it? Global precession. When does that happen again? Right now. So, I mean, like... Do you, you see the dilemma with them coming out with the information? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, even the people, I mean, this is where we could get in. We probably don't have time, but like for black hats versus white hats, which I think is very much an illusion in a lot of ways. Uh, it's, yeah, it's a uniparty black hats for the most part, but it's like a group, possibly a group. Cause we're all one family. I do believe that. And I think they know that too, you know, and there's just a part of the family that wants to tell everybody what the fuck is going on. And I don't think, but even they know that they can't just fucking come out with it. You know, they're just going to, but that's, that's where the line gets blurred. Right. Because even the bad, that's the weird part about it. It's slow leaking to the public. But maybe it's not some evil magical thing. Maybe they really do feel like, well, we're carrying on the human species in the best way we know. And unfortunately the many, it's not going to work for the many. Exactly. So, like, there's too many. That's the channel like that. theory. I'm giving them too much credit here, but you know what I mean? 
It's That's like the they, shadow they both, theory. At least we can do is try to tell them in some way. So uh, it'll relieve some heaviness off our souls. In a way, that that revelation of method kind of does add up with natural guilt. And and that's that. Like I said, that's the shadow crowd theory, right? Like there is a group that that says for the betterment of mankind, we have to build these ultimate shelters to make sure that in a cataclysm, some of humanity survives. Who gets to pick that humanity? Well, it's us, dude. Unfortunately, that's because and the question is always who else like unfortunately who came up with it probably is going to do the choosing and and that's it they're going to pick a couple doctors a couple scientific minds a couple engineers a couple brick masons and they're going to start all over again right and that that's what we see with year zero that's what we see with so many of these stopping points in human history stopping points and rewrites yeah man yeah all to keep it quiet until uh, it does it's starting to feel that way. this is getting into nightmarish territory it's here a, it's a full circle thing dude you know yeah. what i mean like if one part of it comes out the other part has to come out but then it all comes out like a flood and they're trying to drip feed it to us because well if people found out all at one time the vatican would collapse it's one tied into the world's biggest banking system that would collapse you know so there, there's a lot of vested interest in in not letting it all come out at once and even obfuscating the bits of it that do. Yeah, and obviously there's nef- there it's like nefariousness is built into this even if dare I say at the very end of the day they're trying to preserve humanity in some way. I don't where do where do you th- we're getting way off topic here but where do you think AI and and transhumanism fits into that? <sighs> maybe it's not coming for a long time. Maybe I it's don't. a great grandparents. I think I think AI it, I think AI is a shitty idea of mankind that's not going to contribute hardly anything because we use it for the wrong purposes it has the ability like the internet to be one of the greatest tools of humanity yet we're using it to create fake pictures of donald trump running from the cops you know what i mean it's fucking absurd (laughs) i guess what i was suggesting is that like the transhumanism conspiracy agenda whatever it almost runs like not contradictory to what we've been talking about, about this like cataclysm and hiding away in their little caves and shit and letting us all die. Uh, I'm just, it, they kind of run like they're just in different fields. It feels like, the like two parallel. Groups, yeah. Parallel, but they don't seem to intersect at any point. That's, yeah, and that's the how thing. How do they align? How does the, the elites are and doing this, what, but they're also doing. That's going. why I don't, I don't think it does. I don't think it does at all. I think the AI is just a human mistake, bro. I think that's just something that we're going to have to look back at in hindsight and go, fuck, I guess we shouldn't do that again. Right. And I mean, it's one of those things that, you know, okay, the government has, we're, we're, we're sitting here going, why isn't humanity using it for this, this, and this when we're only using it for this? Well, the government already is. Trust me, bro. If you thought about it, so did they, you know what I mean? Like that's one of those things that for every nefarious purpose, for every good purpose that we could use it for first, they find 10 nefarious ones. Mm. And it's like the weaponization of everything that's ever been created in humanity. You know, our first instinct is how do we kill people with it? How do we defend ourselves with it? How can we make it an offensive weapon? You know, when, when we should go, how can we make it an ultimate resource so that humans don't need to depend on all these other things? Yep. And that goes back again to that possibility of a uh, an original cataclysm that gave us this ultimate fear mindset 
where must hoard. It's, it's like everybody dead. immediately turned into the walking dead and everybody was fucking guarding their little tiny supply. And it just the, that was the deepest mentality that spread into humanity. And instead of processing it, like many of us are trying to do through generational trauma, healing and all kinds of hippy dippy sounding shit that is fucking legit. Uh, a lot of these power hungry motherfuckers, these parasitic people, they don't want to do the work. That's the whole point of that kind of personality, right? They don't want to go in there and do the work and heal those wounds that stretch back probably before them. They want to just get their fucking fix and get rich and, and deal with it, you know? Well, just imagine if, the <laughs> if the war machine grinds to a halt, they don't have their little black budgets that they can seep money out of and put into different places. Right. And that's the ultimate, like we, we got into that before the ultimate downfall of the actual government is that it started out as a, a good idea, you know, to set up a few social systems and a set of rules and, and keep it at that and limit it. But once people got the power to vote themselves more power, it just went all downhill from there. Yeah. Right now you've got, so many different federal programs that they can seep little bits of money out of, you know, each one that they can create this huge black book budget that is now almost completely invisible to a lot of people. And Eisenhower said this, this military industrial complex has killed America. That's it. It's done. You know, start packing your chips, dude. That's it's, it's over with. Yeah. So he, the, the, the fall of the American empire, well, it's never been an empire. It was a Republic. You know, maybe that's what's coming next. And when that happens, maybe we'll have some kind of reform where we break back into our history again. Yeah, but maybe. well, that's that's why I say that it's the new Atlantis. You know, America is a good example of Atlantis, of the yeah. the fall of oh. Atlantis. Atop at uh, the the first name for America at Amaluka Atala Atla Atala yeah Atlas. Yeah. Right. And then I, th I was running across some information the other day and it was like a triangle of shit that all hit me at one time. Right. Atlantis, the first name for America being Atla, King Atlas. And then I ran across one of Heimdall's mother's names is Atla, A-T-L-A. Right. Oh. And all of his mothers were giantesses that represented different oceans. And you have right? the uh, the Greek. Is he a god? Is he what is he? The Atlas. A Titan, who, Atlas was a Titan, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Who literally, was, who oh. literally, you know, holds up the world. That's why there is this, I, uh, this Atlas, Atlas bow, like on the the base of your neck. Deep Share asked something earlier about the Titans, right? And I started to break into that, right? In Greek mythology, you have the Titans. Kronos is killed by his three sons. In Norse mythology, you have Bor who was also killed by his three sons. Now, they were so large that the sons had to ambush them, and all three of them still had a hard time killing this thing, right? I say thing because it wasn't human, and it wasn't one of them. Because if something is that big that it takes three in what we, we would look at our gods, Odin, as a giant, you know what I mean? Yeah. And now, if, if it took a giant, three giants, to take down this giant with an ambush... How big were the Titans? And then we got into that four foot footprint, right? Yeah, yeah, that is really cool. I mean, I'm so, gladly leave it on the table for now. Yeah. Look at the Ice Age. Everything was bigger because cold climate creates bigger bodies, right? 
True. Now, when humans went through the ice age and came out of it just over 25,000 years ago, we were probably pretty fucking big, dude. And we had the Denisovans and shit running around at that point. Really big mother effers, right? Then now we can look at human population and tell that there's populations on Earth that have up to 6% Denisovan DNA still. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so th these guys were in our recent history. Within the last 20,000 years, they were living right alongside and breeding into human communities. So, I mean, we, we do have giants really close to us. But what yeah. were before them? What were before them? That's where the tales of the Titans come in. Hmm. And I think the, the last bit of them probably died off at the Ice Age. And, you know, sometime around the, the end of the Ice Age, sometime around the Younger Dryas, we had the dying off of some more giants, what we call our gods. You know what I mean? The, right. the old gods that are around the, the Younger Dryas period or sometime a little after. They probably, the last bits of them died off with leaving at the Dark Ages, the last few pockets of them. And we get into modern America and we see a few weird cases, right? Uh, like Benjamin Buckland. The dude's eight foot something and not like Robert Wadlow, eight foot something where he was like gangly and long and like Buckland was a soldier and in, in a, in a cop in his community, he was described as just being a massive guy, eight foot, four inches or eight foot, seven inches, whatever his height was. There's a bunch of different tales about it, but it's always over eight feet, you know, wow. it, it it, but we've got him like written into colonial America in the 1600s, you know, the Lovelock caves, that giant there, yeah. we, we gone into there and pulled out red hair and there's Indian tribes that have those red hairs braided into their, their um, ceremonial garments and whatnot. Here, this so, is that's the Roberts dude, right? Robert yeah. Wadlow. Yeah. yeah. That's just, the guy that was, he only died. He died at like 27 years old or something like that. Yeah. No, he, just, Look at him, like he's size and a half of the guy standing next to him. That's his dad, by the way. That's his dad. That's his dad standing next to him in that picture. Oh Jesus, he's a, he's like a size and a half. Yeah, and about and this that, is the guy that you were talking about. about. This is the this is the guy that was like gangly and long. You're talking yeah, about. Yeah, he, he's the, the one that's got a gene disorder. Yeah, but right. see, Robert Wadlow was was luckily born in a time where we had cameras. Right. If Benjamin yeah. Buckland had been around, we had cameras. I'm sure there'd be pictures of that dude because like everybody would have took pictures of him. Right. right? Yeah, and that would have been confiscated. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Like the Asian, like the Japanese giant, right? The Japanese battle giant. I know you've seen the, the debunking video of that, right? Where they show no, the guy in the know. production. That, like there's the video from ancient Japan of the giant marching with the army parade. Oh yeah, like, yeah. It's from a half movie, tall. Right? But they said that it it came out of a movie, right? Yeah. Yes, it was filmed and it came out of a movie. But look at the body of that thing. Who was marching that down the street? You know what I mean? Be that there that was, was no technology back then. Well, what year was that movie supposedly from? And, and now, see, there's the crazy thing about it. Because yeah. the original video and then the debunking videos, when you overlay them, don't match. They're very, very similar. They're very I similar. Watch it again now, because that 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 was creepy. Obviously, it's like, whoa, this dude's fucking huge. He's like ten. Look feet at the tall. traps on him. You know what I mean? Like you look at the traps. Like holy shit! Like that dude could freaking uh, military press a Buick. And honestly, those are like the Sasquatch encounters that the, the freaking hunters talk about. They're like, this thing was bigger than you can even imagine. Right. Now, 
10 to 12 feet and you just you picture a basketball hoop or something but you're not a being that's (laughs) what i was going to say about that the 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 cold weather producing bigger bodies look at the the hairy man sightings the the giant hairy man sightings from alaska and canada he's 12 to 15 feet tall but you look at the sasquatch sightings from down in central america and in america and they're like eight feet right it's it's a comparative realization right there just in that you take the cold weather bodies and they're bigger yeah like the yeti (laughs) or the yeti Mm -hmm. that, that legend all over Nepal and everywhere else is much larger than what we would consider like Sasquatch in the state or the skunk ape down in the South, you know, <laughs> that's like six feet, seven feet, eight feet. But so like, what, what do we like this whole, we've been talking for two hours and we got a little off track, but for the most part, it sounds like we're still talking about many different hominids. We're not talking about like, we're bringing our mythology back down to earth and we're kind of returning our our stolen history back to us away from these people that have convinced us all that it's ancient aliens is the biggest curse of humanity they need if they renamed ancient aliens the old gods i would 100 percent agree with that show right yeah because because they, they, they they phrase it like these things came from outer space okay we have been visited but most of the creations here on earth we can look at our religious text and i mean come on let's just take them a tenth serious. You know what I mean? We lived alongside of some bigger beings. They built megalithic structures or were used as slaves in doing so. We, you know, whether what area you were living in, you know, you might get a different story. The Native Americans, when they're telling about it, these, these things were already here and they had these vast stone cities built. Then you look at like the Nahulo, the Nashville, right? The Choctaw and Chickasaw. They talk about the Nahulo and they say some of those buildings in Nashville weren't built in the colonial era. You see these big ass Roman Greco style buildings in Nashville, Tennessee, right? They say those were already there. They just unburied them, bro. They literally unburied them and rebuilt them. So those, I mean, there's, there's a lot of detail to it that it's like, okay, it's been staring us in the face this whole time. And maybe it is true. Yeah, now, you know, that's even getting into, like, the World's Fairs that took place in the 1800s. And oh, God. Such a, such a... And it's, yeah, it's unfortunately for, like, a part four or something. But, uh, yeah, sorry we got a little off track well, from part, the Giants, but... Part four, part it's five. All, it's uh, all we're going to have to... Uh, we're going to have to do a lot of parts because uh, Bird Oak... Wants we to have other people that we uh, I know that I got a guy that part I'd, love four, to, uh, I'd love to bring Narco on sometime with us to talk because, I mean, he's down in Florida and he's got a whole great ton of research on this, great perspective cool. on this stuff. So I want Sarcastic to come in on the next one, dude, because I think Sark would have a lot to add into this. I really do. Who's he that? Is gonna, sarcastic warlock. Cool. He's uh, he's in the in the chat at the moment. Nice. Uh, so, dude, sarcastic Shout warlock out. and Burdock and you and me on giants. That's he, that's gonna be that's gonna be a hell of a show. <laughs> now you know I I think it's really funny that this is all this is information that's been out there, and this is not like just new findings. You know what I mean? This is information that's been in our fucking faces for hundreds of years, dude, a millennia or more as, as, as this cycle of humanity is involved. We've had it right there in our faces the whole time. Yeah. I often like to say nothing's hidden because honestly, it's just that we haven't been looking. 
And sure, and yeah, there's been plenty of distraction that distracted a lot of generations, just not ours. It's all but then again, relative. I can't say, you know, there was a few flukes from earlier generations, from the boomers and so on, that you know would say a lot of crazy shit, but they'd all be thought of as crazy, you know. Yeah. So but, mean, yeah. Again, this rebellion you, though has been controlled, so it's been coming out on purpose. It's you guys all were talking relative. about that um, that Japanese giant, supposedly, although I believe this the is debunked yeah. as well. Ooh, what do you there mean? There was also a uh, a Dutch one like this. This is supposedly in the Netherlands. I mean, this is I've seen. This is AI. Northern this is, Europe. This is, this is literally so. Yeah. The, Fourth one or AI. third one down, the black and white with the big guy with the long. Yeah, I've seen that one. Crowd. That is AI right there. That's that's oh. like mid journey AI. Bro, but to jump back to that 18 footer from Texas, they found a nine foot sword buried with that fucker. Jesus Christ. Dude, that's imagine a nine Because no nobody could he, mess with him. Bro, he just swing his arm. Think about the reach he would have and then a nine foot sword on top of it. Bro, he could cleave eight people in half at one time. Just with one swing, you know what I mean? Just eight bodies, just boom, 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 boom. like, how do you go into a battle against something like that? Exactly. You know, I've been looking at a lot of artwork um, that kind of echoes this same thing, these battles against like one army or another, you know, and a lot of times one army is depicted as, as much, much larger human beings, right? Like almost gigantic, even like almost pictures, all of the Canaanites. I've had these great pictures of, or paintings of Canaanites and their armies, like coming in, like these gigantic warriors, these, these giants basically. And of course the mainstream historians would just say this was ego. And this was how they would portray themselves or how, Further writers in time would would just you know grand over grandize uh, the history and make it more intense and stuff like that. But I think there's a lot more literal history to that than yes, than just uh, over exaggeration. You know, that's why yeah. I got so deep into the. I wanted to keep it mainly to the Native Americans, but when I got into the Eddas that I've read, I mean, I've read them four or five times before, back to back, in a couple different versions. Have and, you read the Aura Linda book? Sorry to cut in like that. No. Okay, I'll, yeah, yeah, cool. But Go the, ahead. <laughs> jump back to that in a minute. Keep that on a back tab. But yes. the, the Edda's, the last time I broke into it, I, I didn't really notice how much giant is in the Edda's until I really, really started to look at it and thought about it. And it's like, okay, Odin, Thor, Loki, all of these are hybrid descendants coming down, right? And further and further until you get to the point where you have Tacitus writing about it and he speaks of Odin and them in a present tense and Tyr, Tyr's grandchildren in a present tense. Hmm. So basically he says Tacitus in the writing of Germania said that the three main branches of their Germanic tribes were, were led by the three uh, grandchildren of Manus. Manus was the son of Tiwaz. Mm -hmm. Right. So now you've got Tiwaz's grandkids as the three tribal heads. Right. And it's like the Ing Veones and we have the Ingwaz rune. And then the two other tribes have really hard to pronounce names, but they, they were a, that was a literal telling, you know what I mean? 
And they re- he related Odin to Hermes and stuff like that. But I mean, when you look at it, he was speaking about it in a present tense. He wasn't saying this happened in the past. He was saying they had these gods in the past, but these ones are still here. So, right. I mean, it, when you look at the, the tenses that he uses in his writing, I think a lot of people discount that when that is a very, very legitimately literal detail in his writing, you know? So yeah. he's, he's looking at something that he's seeing and describing it, something that is still happening, right? And, and this is at the time that the Etruscans were just wiped out by the Romans, their, their own predecessor. I mean, they, they literally were the ancestral civilization to the Romans who forgot them for a couple hundred years for some reason. And then they were like, oh, shit, who's that group just north of us? Let's take them out. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wow. You know, it's just like a total genocide on your ancestors. How about that? You know, and the, how many times has that happened through humanity? That because of some weather event, we got separated from a yeah, group man. that we were related to just on the other side of a mountain range. And then all of a sudden, we're clashing, going to war with them, and we don't know who the hell they are. Right. Four yeah. generations later. And that's where this word alien comes from, man. Because we've been alien to each other so many times in the past. And honestly, that's what I take from a Nephilim, uh, from the Nephilim tale as well. It's like, you know... We have these God-fearing people, the the sons of God, and then we have these heathens that are not God's children that don't worship God, right? They were and, born of the earth, right? Giants. I, I'm just saying, humans came from the gods. We were God's creation. Yes. We were modeled after the gods. We were not of. The gods? No, no, no. We were of the gods, and that's where the severed line is. And, and so, think, but that's what it says in the Bible too, right? But th- real God quick, real quick, man in his own image. This, this, real quick though. Th- this is where they twist the spiritual side and the history, because yes. what comes to mind to most Christians and most people. When you hear God, is it a historical person or is it a spiritual thing that's going to keep you less afraid of death? Well, let's run backwards and look at where it stemmed from and EL in the Phoenicians. Well, also, I mean, I, I want to say that the root language in Box Saga points to uh, God being pronounced more like gut and it meaning the heart in the stomach, the gut being your intention, your will that deeper part of yourself. So it falls in line with the more esoteric understanding of what God would be on the spiritual side of things that these gods walked among us, these ones that were one with themselves, these Mm -hmm. mystics. And of course, everywhere these types of people pop up in history, they're considered this way. Not only are they considered angelic and light beings and things like that, but they're also considered the ones that brought the magic with them. The ones that, brought the knowledge of the skies with them and things like that yeah it's well you know i have i have another interesting uh connection you ever heard the yiddish term oy vey yeah of course yeah okay you know what's the root of this you know what it means right no i don't okay all right so all right yeah yeah (laughs) odin's brother vey yeah interesting yeah Yeah. that's awesome that's such a cool connection Odin, Vili, and Vey. Vey was Odin's brother. 
and they is the term they use for God. I'm just, I'm, you know, That's just putting awesome. that out there. That's I so never cool. thought of. I never thought of that. And it was, Dude. it was right. It was right there. Yeah. Interesting how Yiddish would be connected to a Scandinavian situation. It's so cool. <laughs> but it's, it's not. It's, it's not when you look at it locally, dude. When you right. look at the, the, geogra the geography of it, it's really not. There is an area that's separated by a couple mountains, right? Over yeah. um, where, where the Phoenicians were living. Just over those mountains, the Slavic people were living for thousands of years and they had oh, no idea absolutely. they were even fucking there. Yeah. So that so not geographically, but politically, in the political climate of what uh you know Germanic history would be versus, versus what your is. <laughs> and you know, I I love looking at these old maps that show Scythopolis in the old uh israel israel maps i think i don't know is it still there sithopolis in israel i'm not sure if it's still there or not but it's definitely on the old maps these scythians these this is where all these different peoples come together where it's where those real societies were looking into their own history before it was all demonized by nazism before we sign off i do the history of israel I can see the end nearing here because Stein's yawning beyond belief. But um, oh, I'm, it, it's I'm, really I'm late there. It's pretty late here too. But <laughs> the um, the 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 article that I just wrote, who is Balder? I tied all of that together, right? That's awesome. And and I think if take a look at that one, dude, it'll ring a couple bells for you. Where you look at it with the the stuff you're studying now. I think that would be a really decent read for you and some of the sourcing that I put in that article. I think you would get a lot of benefit from. We got it. Yeah, um, we definitely have to yeah. check this stuff out more. I want to tell you about, not right now because there's no time, but the box saga also includes this whole concept of Solbach and Balder. It's almost like the Trinity. And I wonder if we could connect the research. So we'll have to get into that at some point. All right. All right. Yeah. Well, I, oh, I connect, I, I kind of did connect some dots in there too with, Balder and Jesus and the tentative connection there also. Oh, cool. All so, right, so we there's there's a lot of a lot of tie-in in that article. That's cool. That's very interesting. Ball is uh, Balder. I posted it in the uh, the private chat. There are two links in there. One is to the article about the Greek civilization, and then the direct link to Josh is Substack. Awesome. Thanks, man. I'll definitely be checking these out. But it's his getting late. I gotta, I gotta kind of get going, gentlemen. But this was really awesome to talk with you guys again. Yeah, when it starts to say, check out a book called Atlantis Eddas in the Bible from 1926. Isn't that the one they based the nor what they call the Atlantic religion on? It's basically like a set of Eddas that's written around all the Atlantic cultures from the Isle of Man and all of that. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I know that there's one about, it's not the Edda, but it's, uh, oh, the Kalevala in Egypt. And that's another interesting perspective uh, that we could get into. You say Kali? The Kalevala from Finland. <laughs> or, I don't know. I don't, am I pronouncing it no. wrong? I'm not scared. No, no. It's just that word Kali and how many right? different ways that right? ties into. Oh, yeah. Kali is part of the root this, language. And they, yeah, the Eeyore Bach has tied that in with a lot of stuff, too. It's really This book is available on uh, books.google, and it is available on Amazon and Goodreads. It's... Uh, 
it's pretty widely available. All right, guys. Yeah. Hey, hey, it's been a pleasure, a, brothers. It, 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 it so many things. Crisis Balder. Yeah. I, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not even going to get into that because we don't have the time. That's another <laughs> two-hour show, bro. <laughs> that is yeah, we, we definitely went the distance, so we can do it again for sure. You know, we'll have to. Oh yeah, I mean, there's there, there's enough in this for for a part four, part five, part six, where we just you know go all together. Yeah, the, 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 to get back together and share ideas. You know, the, the crisis balder ties back into the balder is el and ball is el. So I mean, awesome. it's it's literally the same god all in one circle, dude. Makes sense to me. It's just different names. Different names it. for the same God. Yep, that's and that's always how it goes usually. So, so stay true to your faith. Keep the old gods alive. And come visit us in the tribe, man. We'll have some of these chats. We draw them out yeah. all the time. Yeah, just just today we got into uh, into some stuff. Uh, <laughs> and right as yes. fire. <laughs> <laughs> Topics that we try to keep out of the tribe sometimes, but... We will discuss in certain areas is symbology because it gets to be a really touchy subject. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, but those are subjects that, you know, need to be. I, you know, somebody lucky, needs to talk about them. I agree. Yeah, and luckily episode, people are able to keep it civil. But yeah, we yeah, had a, this, uh, this we had a another, taste, tasteful conversation about, about conspiracies. <laughs> uh, among other things. Yeah, but this was a awesome show, uh, guys. This so, was uh, you share we for all the people in the tribe that aren't aware, and some of our viewers. Where can they find you, man? Yeah, and please call me Andy, man. Andy, um, yeah, sorry. you can find me at the Deep Share on social media, on Instagram and Twitter. On Twitter, I'm usually on there yelling about you know whatever UFO bullshit the government's releasing and uh, you know leading us on with. But yeah, you can find my podcast on all the major podcast platforms and i'm on youtube and odyssey so yeah come check me out right on man thanks again for having me this was awesome always a pleasure absolutely it's uh it's been great having you i have your links in the description already of course i made sure i make sure to do that before every show uh josh for the people who don't know yet uh and for those people under what rock have you been living but uh, where can uh, where can the good people find you? Um, Substack. Uh, I'm on Substack. I'm on Twitter. Uh, Twitter. I'm Child of Ash 420, in a bunch of different places. Um, J Ash Odinson. I'm writing a book on. It's a fiction, but it's got a lot of fact based to it. Called the Shadow Crown. That should be coming out this summer. And nice. uh, I I do a lot of really touchy subject fact-based conspiracy stuff on Substack, and a lot of esoteric stuff and just religious tie over stuff how they how they have different intersectional crossroads for basically just about every planetary religion yeah yeah i've been uh, i've been reading your uh, your Substack. it's uh, it's good stuff yeah but you can find all of that of course also on the Greyhorn Pagans website uh, www.greyhornpagans.com where you can find every podcast we ever did every Substack article either written by Josh by Raven or by myself and Firefay we recently started a Substack as well um, it's a new medium it's it's a good medium for sure. With, with the stuff that they just done with notes and all of that new stuff too, where they're like tying more of a social media aspect into it, it's making it a lot more user friendly and Substack yeah. is getting big fast. 
So I have to yeah. check it out too because I have a. I, I wanted to kind of start some sort of blog a long time ago instead of just tweeting everything. Excellent <laughs> but way to do it. Bro. You can add video to it too. Very cool. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. Substack would be a uh, a great way to do that. Indeed, uh, I will. Well, once I can, I'll send you a uh, a invite link so that you can get started awesome. right away. But uh, for now, thank you everyone who has joined us. Uh, thank you to Bernard. drop a like, subscribe. Yeah, thank Share you for this video. Thank you to Burdock for the donation. Thank you to Sarcastic Warlock for the no donation. They are greatly appreciated. Thank you, guys. Uh, You're this, awesome. is, this is all indie. This is all independent. Uh, this is all, you know, yeah, we, me, we, me. Do, we do it because we love it. Uh, yes. So, so everything if is... you want to sponsor us, we... We need you to go to Ko-Fi, drop a dollar, share it. If you can't drop any money, go, just share it. Share the video. Yeah, you know, share, like, subscribe, uh, ring that bell, comment, uh, whatever is there to, whatever else is there to shill. How do all the, the, the good YouTubers, the, the bread tubers <laughs> do that? Uh, I believe I got it covered. So Yeah, if I hadn't broke my coffee mug, I'd be displaying my Tribe of the Great Horn Pagan's coffee mug tonight, dude. Oh, but dude, you, you it got it? broken in a washing accident. Oh, man, that's such a shame. Well, you know, luckily, you anyways. luckily there is uh, enough merchandise to uh, for everyone. Uh, Greyhorpagans.creator-spring.com or just simply go to our website where there is a direct link to it. We have some awesome stuff. Uh, now I really think I'm done shilling everything. Uh, <laughs> sarcastic will be proud of me. I'm almost like part of the how, do, how does he call it again? Like the, the tribe of people with the, the little hats at all. Uh, but yeah, thank you everyone. This has been absolutely amazing. Can't wait for part four, part five, part six. This is going to be, uh, I think we're going to draw this out. Part four and uh, deep share, dude. Line up with me. I'll, I'll come onto your channel or something, dude. And we'll do something on the Phoenicians and Baldur's tie-in and all of that stuff. Absolutely, man. It'll be a blast. Yeah, everybody so come follow, come on follow me on Andy, my page. Sorry. Yeah, that's fine, man. Yeah, <laughs> you sign fine. behind you, bro. It's subliminal. That's totally cool, man. Yeah, that's fine. Get the word. Get the name out, right? Yeah. But yeah, everybody come over and follow me on the on YouTube, too. And, and yeah, we'll get some good fucking conversations going over there. Oh, yeah. Sure. All right. Oh. All right. Thank you, everybody. It's been a blast. And we will talk to you next time all. Thank you. See ya.